Hey, serious privacy enthusiasts, ready to ace your AI data privacy game? Oh, you bet, Kate. Dive into the world of TrustSark's Nemity Research, your go-to for staying on top of regulatory developments in AI and privacy. Seriously, Nimity Research maintains a massive privacy and regulatory database featuring expert guidance and analysis from legal and privacy pros. So save time on privacy research, cut your compliance timeline, and reduce costs with Nimity Research. Get your regulatory research and insight at your fingertips with a free trial. So get ahead in privacy compliance and start that free trial today. Go to trustark.com slash nimity dash free dash trial. This is Serious Privacy, powered by Trustark. Here are your hosts, Paul Breitbart and Kay Royal. The data protection laws are enforced by regulators, data protection authorities, oversight bodies, and what have you, and through individual court cases. But it seems there may be a new sheriff in town, the class action. Both in the US and the European Union, and especially here in the Netherlands, class actions to fight data protection violations and get satisfaction, as well as some damages for individuals, are on the rise. Therefore, this week, Kay and I give our unfiltered and, to be honest, sometimes also uneducated views on class actions and what they could mean for data protection compliance. My name is Paul Breitbart. And I'm Kay Royal, and welcome to Serious Privacy. Paul and I are going to jump right in this week, so I've got an unexpected question. What color would you like to paint your office? Or what theme? Let's go with that. What theme do you like for your office? What puts you in a productive, working, relaxed kind of atmosphere? Light colors in any case. And you shouldn't look at my current office, but it should be sort of tidy <laughs> because an empty desk is an empty mind, right? Or so they say. But I'm actually not not at the stage that I'm designing my new office yet. That's something that's still coming. But probably it will be blues and greens. Blues and greens. I like that. I'm taking a picture of our screenshot to see our current offices. So look good. Well yours is not yours is hardly an office, right? Yay! Got it. Okay. Mine, interestingly enough, I usually like cream and gold. And for some reason, that just puts me in the right mood. And my last office, as you know, had peacocks in it, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as cream and gold. So that will probably stay standard. But back at Align Technology, I had like a six foot set of women's eyes on the wall. You remember our original? Well, actually, that was before you. (laughs) I had this huge set of eyes on the wall that were just the eyes, and I like it. So I'm actually looking for a new set of eyes that I could put on my office with cream and gold, and it probably still have something peacock as the accent colors in it. Well, you know, if we would ask Constantine, you would get a pair of googly eyes, right, for your office. Right, exactly. He'd, he'd send me a custom set of googly eyes to put on. But I think that that is a, a great segue into talking about class actions, because that's where eyes are on the company, right? Hey, I pulled that one out good. Yeah, that was a nice break. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, though, Paul and I decided today we will talk about class action lawsuits. I'll be honest, I don't really know how class action lawsuits work in other legal jurisdictions. I have never been an attorney at a law firm, never had to work with that kind of Thing, but I do know how they work here in the U.S. I'll have to sue you now. No, 
<laughs> Especially not when we're talking class actions where you bring in everybody else that wants to sue me too. I am, what do they call it? Uncollectible. But no, seriously. So this has really become a big issue in privacy, having the class action lawsuits. Now, California has made it a lot easier here in the U.S. because there is a private right of action under California if a company has a data breach that involves the consumer, you. You no longer have to prove harm. You have a statutory right of action. However, it does say in the law that you cannot use the CCPA for anything else. You can't rely on a class action for they didn't have this process in place or they didn't answer my data subject access request only related to privacy breaches. That hasn't stopped the class action lawsuits whatsoever. A great guest that we should have had for this would have been Ian Ballin. I love working with him and talking with him about class action lawsuits. We've had him on webinars before. We trust are absolutely fabulous. But That is one of the things that we look at is, you know, what else are lawyers looking as a basis for a class action if the CCPA says they cannot use that? There's also the provisions of the unfair and deceptive trade practices that every state has its level of that as well. And they try to rely on privacy laws as the standard of care, I guess, if you will, to show what a company should have in place as the basis of a lawsuit, even if they're not relying on the law as the foundation of the class action. So yeah, on the European side, it is it oh, is I different can't. because, of course, here we have we have legislation country by country, and they vary. There is an overarching. Of course, they do. Yeah, I mean, there is an overarching European rule that all member states will need to implement or should have implemented already on class action claims. And of course, under the GDPR, we have Article 80, which allows for the representation of data subjects also by not-for-profit bodies, organizations, or associations that that can file a claim on behalf of a whole group of people. Right. Currently, when you look at data protection class actions, the Netherlands is actually quite a hot jurisdiction because we have already implemented, I believe in 2020, the European Directive for Class Action Claims or Mass Collective Claims. It's called the, the WAMCA, W-A-M-C-A, that's, that's our national law. And it's being actively used to mainly go after big tech. So there are three, at least three cases that go after TikTok, asking for damages somewhere in between five and five thousand, five hundred and two thousand euros. There were ones going after Oracle for all kinds of online advertising. But earlier this week, one of the national consumer organizations filed a mass action claim on behalf of 8,000 people against Google, mm. again, for online advertising and over-collecting personal data. And yesterday, another group filed a, a, mass, filed a collective claim against 10,000 people against Twitter for continuous privacy breaches. So it's... Huh. Mainly big tech, yeah. of course. They go after the ones with the deep pockets. Let's be honest. They go after the ones with the deep pockets. That's true, although they cannot be for-profit claims, and they can also not be, what do you call it, the, the vexatious claims or the fun, right. fun claims. So there needs to be really something to it in order to be able to file a, a collective action claim here in the Netherlands or in general in, in Europe. And you need to also demonstrate that indeed some sort of damages were done. Got it. 
So here we were actually looking, I was pulling up some websites that track the class action data breaches. And I came on one, this one was in Bowman v. T-Mobile, the T-Mobile class action. T-Mobile notified class members on January 20th and the class action was filed on January 22nd. Now, if I know class action lawyers, that was slow. Two days is slow? Yeah, I think they would have expected it to be January 21st, but supposedly, you know, they, they have work to do to put this together. And funny enough, one of my friends from high school is a class action lawyer now. Surprised me. Didn't surprise me as a class action lawyer. Trust me, people, class action lawyers are a whole different breed. They, <laughs> they live and breathe law on a different level and the things they have to deal with. So, but it was interesting to find out that he went to law school much later in life, like I did. We reconnected, I don't know, about 10 years ago and found out we were both lawyers. So that was pretty interesting, but he's a class action lawyer. So I tried to learn some information from him as well. But there are some that I'm, you I'm, have to... I'm, I mean, I'm just surprised that they filed a class action suit within within a couple of days of the breach. Two days. I mean, if I just look at, at due process that you have to go through here in the Netherlands and find the funding and get a an external supervisory board in place and all the checks and balances, you would never be able to do that within the two days, let alone in two weeks or two months. It, it takes quite a bit longer than that. Well, I'm going through this wonderful article. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this myself. I'm going through this wonderful article in the New York Law Journal written by Richard Shinus and Lisa Jaffe. should recognize at least the name Lisa Jaffe. Written in June of this year or published in June of this year. And they say there are three defenses in the data breach class action kill chain are Article 3 standing, class certification, and causation. So the first line of defense to dismiss a class action, which tells you you have to have these things as well, think mm-hmm. about it in reverse, uh, is Article 3 standing. So Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution has been interpreted to require that you have to have standing to bring a lawsuit, which means you have to have an injury in fact. Now, this is what we were saying about California. You don't have to have an injury in fact. You have a statutory right to file a suit. In class certification, oh, and the injury, in fact, reminds me of the lawsuit in Texas that I believe the judge determined they did have standing because the this was in a, I believe it was a TCPA where you got a lot of texts and they were complaining against the person for all the texts they were receiving, even though they were opting out. And the judge said they did have injury, in fact, because it drained the battery life of their phone. Oh, wow. So people get creative. The other is class certification. Federal rules of civil procedure here in the U.S. requires the plaintiff and the members of the class to meet the requirement of commonality, typicality, and predominance in order to be certified. They have to have suffered the same injury. They have to have the questions of law or fact common to the class members, predominate over any specific questions to those individual members and that the alleged damages are experienced for each of them. If they have different degrees of damages, this might result, and I'm reading verbatim, might result in individualized causation determinations rather than qualifying for class certification. So the third one is causation, is the third part, were the alleged damages caused by the breach? Now, nowadays, it's really, really hard if you experience identity theft 
or fraud to be able to tie it to a specific breach. There have been so many breaches. How could you possibly decide that this set of harms was caused by this specific breach? Yeah, causation is very difficult. That's true. That's almost impossible. So it was it was very good. So I, I enjoyed that. And then I was looking up, there is a data break, a database of class action where you can identify where some of the more recent data breach class actions have occurred. So I'll look that up before we get off. But there are, I mean, under California, I think the number was well over 100 up to 200 above that by now. So, and it takes years to settle a class action. And typically they settle. And I believe in the T-Mobile one, Maybe it was a prior one that settled. Each person got something like a dollar and eighty-two cents. Well, so count yourself lucky. Yeah, right. So a lot of the privacy class actions have settled because it really is very expensive to go through a class action litigation. They hope to get them dismissed up front by arguing over these particular elements. I'm assuming, given the list you gave of was it Norway? No, here in the Netherlands. Okay, so in the Netherlands. So with the list you gave there in the Netherlands of the things they have to meet with the lawsuit, if they don't meet them, and I'm assuming they can try, even if they don't specifically meet them, and the lawyers can have a difference of opinion as to whether they met them or not, and then a judge determines whether or not it can proceed. Do you have to certify as a class action there as well? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, to some extent. I mean, you need to go through a first phase, and there the class action can still be dismissed. I don't believe it's exactly the same as the certification that's required in the U.S. Okay. Where a judge really needs to say, okay, all of these people are actually approved to be part of of the lawsuit. Okay. And that is also what you see because we had under the GDPR already a case. Obviously, it was Meta. Who else would be in court for GDPR violations than Meta, I would almost say. But this was a case last year against a German consumer organization, again, before the Court of Justice of the European Union, that claimed that the consumer organization was not actually mandated by its members to file this claim in court. So this was more the representative action than the class action. But also there, the court said, no, a consumer group can indeed file a claim on behalf of all of its members in court, even if there is no specific mandate for this specific lawsuit. So I think that's already where you see some difference with the class certification where every individual basically would need to sign documentation that they would be part of this lawsuit and that the court reviews that and and puts a stamp of approval on that. Right. So I think it works slightly different. But then again, my whole impression and my whole understanding of US-based class sections comes from the film Aaron Brockovich. So I'm not sure how legally <laughs> accurate, accurate that would exactly be. Believe it or not, that is only one of two movie stars I've ever been accused of looking like. It's Julia Roberts. <laughs> and I can find pictures that can show it to be true. There's millions of pictures that show it's not true. But I can at least find one or true, two. Typically when I was 50 pounds ago, but we'll leave that one alone. But I will say that it is interesting because there's a... There's a trend, and we talked about it earlier on, there's a trend to find other ways to bring a privacy mishap into a class action lawsuit without relying on privacy law per se, because we don't have a federal privacy law. Mm -hmm. How do we fit it under these other archaic laws? And so there's this wonderful 
article by Miller Nash. The, the two authors are Eva Novick and Brian Esler. They have this wonderful article. It came, I mean, it's just like a little blog regardless, but I always find it very instructive here. They reference the recent trend of going on the Video Privacy Protection Act and suing under the Pixel, the Meta Pixel, if you Mm -hmm. remember on the website we talked about. So the Video Privacy Protection Act came out way back when, think about Blockbuster and all of those where you, you went and rented videos. And the law came up because there was a video rental history of some of the Congress people and they didn't like that going public. Hmm, so, just wondering what me, videos that could have been. Men in black in the back. <laughs> uh, but regardless, uh, it has this up here, but it is at 2,500 per violation. And so they are now, this is now coming back up against Metapixel. And there was at least one company that settled a 2.6 million class action settlement on under that. They're also suing under, and I've heard this before too, the federal wiretapping and eavesdropping statutes saying that collecting chats and everything like this. And funny enough, and I don't remember the specific circumstances, but there was a company I was working for that we actually got an inquiry in asking One, did we have protections against the VPPA? And two, the federal wiretapping and statutory. And it was the first I had heard that companies were suing under chat messages under the federal wiretapping statutes. Um, That was a few months ago. And it was interesting because my response back was, well, that's interesting. We'd have to see how that would work. Apparently, there's some class action lawyers who have figured out how that worked. I'm not sure my logic agrees with theirs. It's always worth a try, right? Right. The The takeaways from this is that uh, they're saying for these two specific takes on it, the VPPA and the wiretapping, is that if you conspicuously display mandatory arbitration policies and class waivers, you can be more successful in compelling arbitration or dismissing class actions on such claims. I'm taking that point of advice to home right now. You have to be specifically engaged in the business of providing audiovisual materials to be covered by the VPPA. So the Metapixel for your various little videos on the website shouldn't shouldn't qualify. And state laws, again, as you say, differ on who consents and who's participating as a direct party for the purposes of wiretapping and eavesdropping. Here in the United States, we have a division between a one-party consent state and an all-party consent you don't go by a two-party consent. It's all parties. Either one party in the conversation can consent for everyone, therefore recording it is legal, or all mm-hmm. parties in the conversation have to consent in order for the recording to be legal and, and to stand up in law. Now, of course, you can use those recordings for things other than evidence in a case. So you might still want the recording. It's just it's not legal to produce as evidence and might actually violate you know, their privacy, which, of course, you have no lawsuit. You can file for that unless you can prove harm. So, so if there are so <laughs> many alternatives for class action suits and for suing data protection violations, even without a federal data protection law. Yeah, is a good one. Yeah, but if there are so many alternatives, then. Why is there such a fuss about a private right of action if it already exists without a law being present? Well, I guess because it's really hard to get a privacy class action to go through, you have to find some sort of way to wiggle and wade yourself through the laws. And to be honest, these things are, what's the right word? Detrimental, catastrophic 
to the companies when they attach, which is why a lot of them settle, but they settle for high amounts of money. And of course, the individual class action, people in the class action don't get very much at all, but the law firms get their lucrative Mm -hmm. amount from it. So of course, they're all up for it. And I'm not saying they're doing a bad thing. They're literally taking something the company did wrong and filing a lawsuit on them. But they can be catastrophic. Class actions are a business model in themselves as well. Yes. Yes. It is very expensive to mount a class action because it's a lot of legal work required up front. You don't know what the outcome will be. It is usually on a no cure, no pay basis with the individuals part of the class just registering but not paying anything. So because they typically would pay out of any gains that are made or any damages that are being paid at the end of the, tra- of the trajectory. So there are quite a few companies out there whose whole business model is just to fund class actions yeah. and then hope to be compensated uh, by the benefits of it. Well, I just pulled up a list of some. So here we go of what's listed. These are on topclassactions.com. And you can search for words. And so I just looked for privacy. And I'll tell you the ones that come up. Military.com, Facebook privacy, 7.35 million class action settlement, up to $30. Deadline is October 24th. Standard market, the BP, the BIPA, the biometric one, 1.25 class, 1.25 million class action settlement, $750. Deadline, October 18th. The Fred Turt Health Inc. Metapixel 2 million class action settlement to be determined deadline October 5th. Instagram BIPA for the biometric 68.5 million settlement to be determined deadline October 27th. UKG Chrono 6 million class action settlement. Settlement is $8,500. That's a lucrative one. See if you're part mm-hmm. of that one. Deadline October 3rd. Equifax data breach class action settlement 20,000 deadline 122 of 24. So, yeah, that's not a list of all those that are filed. That's a list of those that have settled. Which is still quite a lot. So, yeah, there is there is a lot of money in class actions. And the impression, at least this side of the Atlantic in, in some of the conversation, is that we will see more of these. And not just because of the money, but also because it might be a faster way actually to get some sort of compensation and agreement from satisfaction, satisfaction indeed from companies actually breaching data protection laws and maybe faster than going through the whole rounds of a DPA complaint and then the investigation and then the consistency mechanism and then the dispute resolution from the consistency mechanism and then appeals in court. Well, yeah, because you've got someone on the other side, at least the class action lawyers that are driving the process forward faster rather than someone who doesn't have a motivation to actually seek a lot of funding and court time. So, yeah, anyway, we'll close it out. We'll put the links to the resources that we have available for class actions. Statistics show you might very well be involved with your company facing a class action settlement, especially if you have a breach, keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, it is certainly something that that companies need to be aware of, that the danger or the risk from uh, non-compliance is not only with the Data Protection Authority anymore, and certainly here in Europe, with those class action laws becoming coming into force across all of the member states, this is something that 
you seriously need to consider if something goes wrong that you may also be facing a, a class action for data protection breaches under the GDPR. Absolutely. And we would love to hear from any of our listeners that are in other countries that could speak up and let us know, you know, your challenges and opportunities with class actions in your country as well and how those work. We simply can't. I mean, that's, that's one area Paul and I can't speak to. <laughs> We're not litigators. Well, I mean, we can speak to it, but not with any authority. Not with any authority or experience whatsoever, but we can speak to it. Exactly. But I was talking about, especially in other countries as we have. So I'd love to have the perspective of other people. But with that, Paul, close us out. Yeah, I wanted to say, just join the conversation for this on LinkedIn. You'll find us under Serious Privacy. And as always, thank you for listening to yet another episode of the podcast. You'll find Kay on social media as Heart of Privacy, myself as Europol B, and the podcast as at Podcast Privacy. Until next week, goodbye. Bye, y'all. That was Serious Privacy. Hey listeners, looking to navigate the realm of responsible AI data privacy governance? Well, look no further. Absolutely. TrustArc is paving the way, offering a complete approach to managing privacy risks in the world of AI. TrustArc allows organizations to confidently use AI with personal or sensitive data, moving forward efficiently and cost-effectively. And here's the kicker. Protect your company and data with TrustArc's privacy-driven compliance software. Because they're... Deep automation streamlines data privacy governance, cutting your time to compliance with automated data mapping, risk assessments, and regulatory reporting. TrustArc's enhancements go way beyond that, helping organizations understand AI better and align cross-functionally on data governance, privacy, and security. Plus, they provide guidance on privacy governance for AI and how to mitigate risks using frameworks like NIST AI, OECD AI, and the Nemesis Privacy Management Accountability Framework. If you're aiming for compliance excellence, check out Privacy Central. Seriously, one of my best parts. It uses automation and privacy expertise to understand your requirements, build and manage your privacy program with ease. Oh, I agree. Privacy Central is your go-to to measure your progress toward responsible AI data compliance. Stay ahead with TrustArc's Privacy Central. Visit TrustArc.com now. Ask me a Paul if you have any questions.